The other key for our hobby, right, is to invite the next generation to be excited to join because otherwise we're just going to keep playing until we're all 80 and then when we're dead, it's dead. And I think that would be really sad. Welcome to another episode of Three Men and a War Game, or in this case, Two Men and a Couple Guests. <laughs> I am Kevin, uh, who will be your host for the night instead of Paul. Hey, and this is Potter. I'm here uh, as well. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and on the on the podcast tonight, we have Chris from Slow Death Games and Elijah Kellogg, the designer of Star Breach. Very, very exciting to have you guys both on the podcast. Welcome, guys. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for having us, guys. Happy to be here. And Chris, you've been on the podcast before, but just remind everybody, what is Slow Death? What do you guys do? And how did you get into gaming? Uh, Slow Death Games is my game company. Uh, We started with a game called Wild in the Streets, which I'm sure most of you are familiar with. It's a gang fight game with youth subcultures. we now publish that and Star Breach. Uh, we've got some other stuff coming out in the future that we haven't discussed yet. Um, as far as how I got into gaming is uh, around the same time that I got into punk rock, I discovered Dungeons and Dragons, uh, and it's all been uphill from there. All right. A familiar story. <laughs> and Elijah, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us how you got into gaming. And, and a little bit maybe of your path into game design. That'd be cool to hear, too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, my name is Elijah Kellogg, um, also in SoCal with Chris. Um, he's down in San Diego, but I'm up here in L.A. And I uh, grew up out here. I got into gaming basically after, like, a rainy day in fifth grade. Um, you know, one of those where you can't go out to the playground. And so the teacher asks you, like, hey, you can bring stuff from home. It's fine. You know, she's like, it's like three days in a row. It's been raining. So she's like, whatever, just bring something, <laughs> do something. So uh, so uh, one of my friends brought a, it was, I believe, a Games Workshop catalog. Not a white dwarf, but just like a one of those, like, old um, winter catalogs, right? And I remember when he brought that, it was like his older brothers. And he's like, hey, check this out. Look what I found. And we were like, whoa, this is amazing. So I was totally hooked uh, from that point on. I was like, I know this is what I want to do with my free time. Uh, And so I hunted my valley ruthlessly trying to find someone who sold these weird models. We had no idea where to look. We had no idea where to, you know, at the time, internet was just getting going. It wasn't really that strong you know, present. We didn't know where to go to find these models. And finally we found a little shop. Uh, yeah, that was doing like all sorts of models, like yeah, Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. I had some Warhammer stuff and I just fell in love, fell in love with uh, WFB, some fantasy battle and did a bunch of rank and flank for years and years and years. And, um, and then eventually got into other games uh, just not too long ago, about I'd say seven years ago, started looking at other games as well and especially fell in love with uh, bolt action when that kind of came out and really enjoyed some of the mechanics, some of the design, you know, I always thought tabletop was kind of dominated by role play and then like Warhammer stuff. So I didn't know there was other ways to build games. So, so when I started playing bolt action then I got into like, um, 
when X-Wing, the first edition of X-Wing came out, I was playing that as well. I was really blown away by these really new, innovative ways to play on the tabletop. And I felt like I wanted to give my hand at it, give it a go. Um, kind of well before everyone, now everyone's kind of making their own homebrews and doing things and trying to get those out there, which is rad. I think that's great. Um, but long before that, I was just kind of just poking around with rules I already really liked and kind of messing, you know, putting it all together. And uh, my first game was actually NCO, which is like a squad based uh, World War II game. Kind of off of it, branched off of bolt action, just something I wanted that we didn't have kind of a squad level, like a skirmish level game. And then from there, that eventually. Yeah, evolved into Starbreach. I've told that story many times, many places. But yeah, that eventually evolved into Starbreach, and I finally put it out online. And it's crazy how it, how much it's blown up over the years. It's really cool to see people supportive. And Chris, of course, came along eventually and picked it up. And yeah, the rest is history. Very, very, very cool. Yeah, yeah, super awesome. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, let's get into this thing. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is. Um, Sort of the, the impetus for this this conversation, uh, which is a challenge that Slow Death Games is running. Um, so, uh, Chris, if you want to walk us through that, give us some of the details and the inspiration. So we can start with the inspiration. Um, there, there's a guy in our uh, Slow Death Games Discord named Byron, uh, who has been my main gaming opponent for probably the past 10 years. Um, he's a really good friend of mine, um, and he's he's helps us out with everything that like comes to conventions to help slow death games, uh, does all sorts of stuff, but he is a prolific painter. Like, you know, when you hear people like, Oh yeah, my friend paints really fast. Like this is the fastest painter I've ever met in my life. Um, he like, he knocks out stuff like, like he once like showed me a box that he bought that morning and that evening it was like done painted based and, and ready to play with. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I can confirm from being on your Discord, he will like post bare plastic and then painted stuff yeah. like hours later. So, like, so, can't, so this can't guy is my antithesis, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Where, where I take like the... five years to paint something. Yeah. Yeah. Arch, Arch, Arch Nemesis. Like five hours. Yeah. So, so he, you know, yeah. he, he's always looking for cool minis to paint. Um, and he found this uh, stuff from uh, War Games Atlantic. Um, and he showed it to me. He's like, Hey, what do you think of these things? I was like, those are pretty cool. He's like, yeah, I'm going to buy a box and I'm going to make a, a star breach, uh, war band out of it. I was like, Oh, cool. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. So, you know, he has to wait a couple of days for the box to show up. Um, box showed up and he's like, Hey dude, check this out. And then of course, hours later it's painted and he's like, I'm good to go. He's like, Hey, did you see these other ones? And like, he, you know, sent, shows me all these other boxes. He's like, these are cool. These are cool. These are cool. And I'm like, yeah, those are always like, all right, I'm going to get all of them. Um, and and so he's doing that. He's showing it off in our Discord, um, showing it off on his Instagram. Um, and, you know, he's, he's got all the stuff. He's like, yeah, these models are really cool and they're dirt cheap. Like a box of them is like $35 or something and you get 20 miniatures. I, I, I think that's right. Um, and yeah. And, and all of us were like, yeah, that's, you know, that's an amazing deal um, compared to some plastic manufacturers. Like, okay, here's your five miniatures and it's $60. Um, so, so in the Discord, he challenged uh, a bunch of us. He's like, "Hey, which you know, which one of you guys can build something out of this, like out of this box or out of this box?" Um, he had specific boxes he kind of challenged us with, and then he's like, "Yeah, just whatever, just just try, it. just get a box of these things and build a, a warband out of it." 
Um, so a bunch of us bought boxes, um, and we're all excited about it. And then Brendan, uh, who many of you know, uh, had to jump in and give his two cents. And he's like, well, yeah, but can you build an entire war band with, you know, what you get in those boxes plus a mech and an alpha or, or whatever else you need and do it for under 50 bucks. And so we're all like, yeah, we could do that. Let's try it. Um, but we ended up actually, uh, extending that out to 75 because some people were like, I really want to use this thing. And it's, you know, this thing is $20 by itself, like this one figure. Um, so, so, you know, we did that. And so we, we did it. And then we challenged a bunch of other people like, Hey, can you do this? Um, and then we reached out to war games Atlantic, um, and said like, Hey, we're doing this thing. Do you want to cross promote it with us? And they're like, they were like super stoked on it. They'd never heard of us and never seen the game. And they're like, yes, this is fucking awesome. This is what we want to do. Oh, sorry. I don't know if I should be cussing on you're, your show. You're good. Um, you're good, man. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Cuss all the time. Cuss all the fuck you but want. But they were excited. About- <laughs> that's, that's bullshit, Chris. <laughs> uh, they were excited about it. Um, and they're like, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll cross promote with you. So it's not the kind of thing where we're like, hey, War Games Atlantic, you know, talk about us all the time. We're just like, hey, we're doing this thing. And you guys should talk about it too. Um, and luckily war games Atlantic seem to be some pretty cool guys. Um, I don't know any of them in person yet. Um, I'm hoping someday we'll get to meet them. Um, but they seem to be super stoked about anybody who's doing stuff with their plastics. Um, so yeah, yeah, I got it. I'm really impressed with their kits. Like I, I was a little slow on the uptake, so I actually just got my kits for the, 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 the challenge but man those are some pretty cool things i'm very excited to paint them yeah so the long-winded thing is basically you know someone on our discord uh said hey can you guys do this i challenge you to do it and then we extended that to everybody and so we've been posting on social media using the hashtag uh starbridge challenge and uh we're seeing what uh, people can do with these uh war games atlantic figures yeah so there it is the gauntlet is thrown down if you're listening um Buy a single box of War Games Atlantic miniatures that typically run between 20, 29 and $35. Uh, as Chris said, it's like 20 to 35, sometimes 40 models in a box. Um, and then just download the free rules from the Starbreach website. Build yourself a warband and paint it. Um, and then you can, you know, spend an extra, what, 20, 30, $40 on a mech. Um, whatever that is that you want to be, it, be it some infinity tag or something that you commission for a 3D printer uh, and paint it up. Yeah. Oh, and just to let people know, this isn't the kind of thing, competition where there's prizes. The only uh, thing you win is uh, bragging rights. <laughs> Which is the best kind of contest, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's and that's the kind of thing that, you know, that as, as a company, we don't want to push people like, like, hey, everything is a competition and, you know, this person's better than this person or whatever. It's, it's, it's sort of like, it's a competition, but it's also cooperative. Like, like everyone yeah. should be excited about it. And right. And we, we, I mean, for, oh, sorry, go ahead. For us, like the most important thing is just like having fun painting your miniatures and then pushing your cool toy soldiers right. around on the table. Right. And so this is in yeah. like, this is encouraging people to get some inexpensive plastics that they might not otherwise and play a game that they may have not otherwise tried. Right. So it's like two super cool things. Yeah. One of the people who's, uh, who's excited about it, um, is, uh, Ashley from, uh, Full Metal RPG, which is Brendan's, uh, RPG podcast, which if you don't listen to it and you like RPGs, you really should. Um, but Ashley has never played a miniatures game before. And so she's super excited about this and she's building her first ever, uh, army for a miniatures game. 
That's amazing. That's like the coolest thing I've heard all week. Very cool. <laughs> like anything that like pushes someone into into the miniatures hobby for me, and especially in like a really cool way, like playing an indie game with indie plastics. It's just like I don't know. It's, it's we we live in very cool times right oh, now yeah. for the hobby. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Brave new world <laughs> for sure. Um, well, very cool. So that's the contest and we'll, we'll sweep back around or the challenge and we'll sweep back around that to the end, just to go over some other details and other things that you might want, uh, should you start getting into, to Starbreach. But Chris, you want to kick us off for the interviewing of Elijah? Yeah, part so, of the um, so Elijah, we've been doing this, uh, this series, this last few, few shows called Aftermath, where we're kind of talking about things like what things are going to be like for us post COVID that aftermath world. So um, can you kind of give us the, the, as I've uh, coined it, the 10 minute elevator speech uh, for star. <laughs> give us the rundown, sell us on the game. <laughs> That's gotta be like at least 50, 60 stories, right? Yeah, like we're, going up, we're going up the world's tower. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was, it, it, yeah, it was definitely a gaffe yes. that has now turned into a joke. So it's like if 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 you're on a slow ten minute ride okay. at the Willis Tower, and you know, and you see somebody with a Games Workshop pen, what is the speech you give them? Yeah, for that was definitely the brain not catching up to the mouth real quick. <laughs> no, I love that. I mean, yeah, I mean, in a real very simple like actual elevator speech level. I mean, Star Breach is a model agnostics sci-fi skirmisher that you've always wanted to play and that you've never really gotten to play because of limitations that come with product line, right? Uh, comes with bloating, comes with trying to sell product, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that. But I always felt like a lot of times rules came second. Um, you know, we, we're making this thing and then the rules came second and, you know, people want to play games, but eventually at some point, uh, if they're tied down too closely to a particular product line, they're they're not going to be, you know, the, ba- the balance is not going to be there forever. The fun is not going to always be there forever. People are going to really feel um, connected sometimes in really negative, toxic ways to this specific, specific build they've done or the specific thing they've done. So it's just a really fun model agnostic game, sci-fi focused, uh, any models you want. Um, yeah, tons and tons of different options, tons of different factions that cover pretty much every sci-fi motif imaginable. And we're looking to even expand that eventually. Um, it's definitely going to continue being expanded. We're still working on it. It's like a living document, which is really cool. So nothing's ever going to be set in stone long, long term, you know, where it's just going to be this kind of broken dead game on the side of the road. We hope to keep it really alive, keep it fresh, keep it going. So there you go. I think I kept it in like two minutes, maybe. Yeah, you did. You did. We, we, got, we got a floor or two in there, you know, not not too much. We're good. Good. <laughs> no, th- that's great. And, and I think to to sort of amend on to that, one of the things that, that – like one of the ways that I describe it when people are asking me about it is I describe it as an amalgam of really smart mm. mechanics. Like it's, it's, a, it's mechanics from games that yeah. you may recognize but in a way yeah. that you don't. Uh, and put together in this like very cohesive, very cool way. And so if you could like talk us through uh, some of those mechanics uh, and also the inspiration for those Absolutely. mechanics. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Definitely the, the dice pull is very strongly from bolt action. I think that's an absolutely ingenious initiative mechanic. You know, one of the big problems in war games right off the bat 
is it's not real-time strategy. It is turn-based strategy. And when you get to turn-based, you're immediately hamstringing one player or the other. And there's a lot of ways you can try to balance that, but it always kind of feels like, well, you know, if it's I go, you go, and every and all my models are going before yours, like we're in significant trouble, right? Um, or vice yeah. versa, where you've kind of built where you know, like, okay, I want to go second, but then you have to go first, you know? <laughs> it can be a vice, you know, vice versa. But either way, I love just the the order dice full, you know, bringing it out of an order dice bag and then placing it. That was something that I had first applied to NCO um, when I started doing a skirmish level. But then from there, I really began to expand from that. You know, that's about the only thing that it's really similar with bolt action, I would say. Uh, and in a lot of other ways, yeah. it, it begins to pick up from different games. Of course, you've got classic, you know, Games Workshop elements, different things. Um, that are just classic to some of the older like Dungeons and Dragons, you know, having stat lines, having profiles, different things like that, but also trying to keep those very minimalist as well. Very simple, easy numbers to read. Um, I've heard some people argue and I would even agree with them now. And we're looking to kind of adjust like almost too simple, you know, really easy to jump in for like players of all ages. So the other key for our hobby, right, is to invite the next generation to be excited to join because otherwise we're just going to keep playing until we're all 80. And then when we're dead, it's dead. And I think that would be really sad. Right. So um, I think certain companies are going more towards the painting and the awesomeness and how it looks on the table and not so much mm -hmm. the rules, you know, not so much the accessibility for children or for kids or for families, um, and I, I didn't like that either. So a lot of the mechanics that I've built into it also involve very basic arithmetic, very basic concepts that are not difficult to, you know, you're not reading a Bible of rules, right? You're not, you're not like, you know, I think the rules fit on 10 pages, you know, so it's enough yep. to be strategic, but it's not so overwhelming that it's no fun for certain people or certain ages, you know, certain demographics. So for sure, yeah, that was a big thing too, was we wanted it to be as accessible as possible. When I first made it, I wanted it to be accessible in other languages, second English, you know, second language learners. Um, you know, obviously the whole world doesn't speak English and, and the whole world doesn't have a ton of money to just buy rule sets for models, but they, but all over the world, there's people who would love to do tabletop gaming. So Definitely. our mechanics and how it's written, how the rules are laid out. We also wanted it to be very user friendly. Um, so yeah, we just kept it really simple. And some of that has, uh, come out as not being like always the best. We, I recognize like there's some things we can update and change. Um, and I'm excited to do that, but I, I don't think those updates or changes are going to add complexity. They're just going to add, um, that much more smarter mechanics working together. Like you said, Kevin. So yeah, that's per awesome. Perfect. I, I may ask. I may, there may be a future question where I try to ask a little bit about what those are, sure. but you know, some, some of the things that I like that you've done, um, and maybe we can talk about a little bit or, you know, the, the eye mechanics, so like the initiative stat, mm. like specifically, I think is really smart. Um, and then also like the core mechanic of using 2d6 to kind of reduce variance where you can. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, and, and I was, I was really curious if like, like what parts of those decisions were intentional and where they came from? Yeah. Oh, you know what, you know what I keep, I, I forgot to bring up of course as well is, um, you know, I played a ton of Frostgrave when that first came out. Mm, huge, gotcha. huge fan of Frostgrave. And, um, okay. I, I played it so much. 
I started demoing it and I guarantee I have it recorded that I've, I've either played or witnessed slash GM'd at least 200 games of Frostgrave. Oh, wow. So okay. I was just, I was just doing it all the time. Cause I would go to these conventions. I'd set up four tables next to each other and I'd invite people to play. So I really grew that game for Joseph. I was kind of emailing back and forth with him and just was so excited about it. But one of the things, God bless him, that I can't stand is the D20. Um, and I think it's, I think it's a brilliant uh, role on his part and he's, and he swears by it. And I think that's awesome. But at the same time, I had a lot of players continually mention like, what about just doing 3d six or 2d six? You know, the bell curve makes more sense. You're able to, you're able to, you know, everyone kind of has already, you know, relating to craps odds or like a 3d six role. Like, you know, if you're kind of into odds, into stats, like 2d six makes way more sense or 3d six system makes way more sense. So for me, when I began to design the game that I wanted to make, that I thought would be fun for people to play, I liked a 3d six system, but then I also love the idea of one of those numbers being knowable. So basically the initiative line or what will maybe evolve into a couple different stats, but the same idea will be, you know, it's like one to seven. So maybe a little bit higher than a D six, but then you roll two D six, you add them all together and you got a three D six bell curve with a number that, you know, yeah. Right. And that's really great. Cause like you can still get, you know, uh, a, a swingy roll here sure, and there, yeah. all a, a D 20, but it's a much smoother curve. And if, I don't know, for me, it feels a lot better. I, I fall into the camp where I really like the three D six curve. Yeah. So, um, I just think that's like a, a real, real bit of smart design, especially for a sci-fi game where you're, you're supposedly using like trained soldiers, right? And the, yeah. tra- the, the ones that are more trained have a better initiative stat. And so their, their 3d6 curve is a little smoother. Whereas like when you're playing Frostgrave, it, I kind I always like mention it as like, like half-ass wizards, right? Like they're just like, <laughs> it's like, it's a bunch of wizards that, that basically, basically know what they're doing, yeah, yeah. but maybe playing with magic, they don't understand. Uh, and that, that's how I like soften that D20. Um, I'm, I'm forever calling Frostgrave half-ass wizards now, th- from now on, man. Like, that, that's it. It's half-ass wizards from this point forward. <laughs> Well, you know, I would I would demo it for people. And that was just the thing. People loved it. But then it was always like, why am I using a D20? Like, I don't understand. Like, this is, you know, because people would get those bad situations where their warband was wiped, you know, in the first turn or two, not because of build or not because of strategy, but because it was like these crazy roles, like really big roles. And honestly, I didn't think anything could feel worse than rolling triple skull and blood bowl. But let me tell you, rolling a one in frost grave is horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's game over. I mean, and it doesn't, like you said, yeah. it doesn't matter who you've built. It doesn't matter what model you're using. You know, it can be very difficult. But anyways, I'm not, I think it's a great game. Obvious, it obviously. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. And we actually we have an episode I where I do, I do nothing but praise frost grave. Cool. That's good. I just, <laughs> I, uh. I do love the 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 3D6 curve though and I just cool. wanted to like point that out as a for people who may not know how to play Frostgrave sort of give them some hints to the mechanics so they get curious and go download yeah. the rule and, book. Uh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't yeah. sound like you guys sure. are complaining sure. about Frostgrave. Um you're you're gamers and gamers are never happy about anything so they're always going to have like it's it can be the <laughs> best game in the world and they're going to go yeah, yeah but it's this true. but this part or yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. And, and when I say half-assed wizards, I mean that as a term of endearment. Like for me, it's like it, it's it's like an exercise in shade and fraud, right? Like you're just like, oh no, like every time you roll bad. Yeah, it's awesome. So one other thing that I wanted to hit on too was just the the I really enjoy the uh, plasmid system mm. in this game. Uh, or I should just say the magic system in general. I like the plasmids, but like all of the magic, like all of the different schools of magic. Yeah. And I, I like how like some of them overlap between the things. And I was just curious, you know, where the idea for a like those those specific things and, and what the like power level values and then also like how you tied those schools to specific warbands. Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting question for sure. I knew from the beginning um, that I wanted some sort of psychic element, you know, some sort of magic, uh, you know, element again, being a big, okay. Going to actually something I'm really praised about Frostgrave as uh, what I liked about Frostgrave was, was these like different kind of schools of magic. And of course in a sci-fi world, that's not really going to be like magic, which more like psychic ability, whatever. But, um, but I really thought that that would, that always colored the game interestingly, you know, that it wasn't just fighting. You didn't just like roll, okay, it's range attack or, sh or shoot, or I have like this, like this guy has a thing, like a spell or something, but it's like, no, there's like this whole other strategic element of choosing, okay, I've got kind of a, I've got a, you know, opportunity here to like kind of mess with the mechanics of the game using this psychic ability, you know, like kind of, you know, buffing or hexing or manipulating gameplay. And so that was a really big inspiration for me. And then moving that into the sci-fi world, I knew I didn't want to go too crazy with it because it's not, it's not half-ass wizards in space. Like he, jo Joseph just, right. jo Joseph just put half-ass wizards in space out. <laughs> that just came out. So, so I mean, I kind of beat him to it in that sense, but it's not, it, I, it's not a whole, like, I don't have like 20 schools of magic. And, you know, I mean, I've just got these kind of foundations that I think were relatable to every kind of idea of like what warrior or fighting psychic abilities would look like in the future, you know? So that's kind of, I just did enough and then kind of, you know, plugged them into each group that would use, you know, that would use those psychic abilities. And that's also yeah. something, too, that we're going to see a little bit in a good way. Uh, I think it bolstered and changed over time. I would love to add another school or two. I would love to add like another uh, like a couple like more psychic abilities to each school as well. So, yeah. So we'll, and maybe even seeing in the initiative kind of open up into like a, having a specific psychic stat for psychic players. Neat. So cool. Sounds yeah. cool. Yeah, I like that. I just like like the flavor that it gives your particular warband. It's just like a little bit of, like you because the game, you know, ultimately the rosters aren't massive, right? Yeah. There's, you know, you have a, 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 like, you know, under a dozen unit choices typically, mm -hmm. but a lot of them can take different spells or different psychic abilities. And the psychic abilities that you take, like for me, really help color, especially when you're picking your models too. like I've been able to have a lot of fun assigning the ones that I thought were the coolest for the way the model looked. Mm. Um, and it's just like a really, I, I don't know, I've, I've really admired that it, it really helps you add uh, just a little bit of needed flair to your to your warbands and give them a little bit of personal style. And I don't know, just very cool system worth checking out. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So you've talked a little bit 
um, about glimpses uh, of what we might see in the future. Is there anything that you can detail on? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to like spill any beans that we're not supposed to, or try and drill you for anything we can't talk about. Uh, should I, should I take this question? Yeah, sure. Go for it, Chris. Yeah. That's okay. So, so uh, yes, th- there, there will be stuff coming out, uh, but we can't go into detail about it. So, okay. So there, there, yeah, there will be stuff, more stuff for Star Starbreach. It's not just uh, one and done. Neat. Yeah, we just I, I think just just knowing there's stuff on the horizon is really reassuring. Uh, and I and we've got I think we've gotten a couple of cool hints just you know from casually talking here. So I won't <laughs> I won't press the Chris point. Gonna, Chris is gonna have to step in and make sure you know. He's gonna play that. PR <laughs> yeah, Chris is like he's that, he's that press guy. Well, Chris no, is no, like, I mean, wait, I, wait a minute. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like to tell people like, oh yeah, here, here's here's what's getting worked on, and then because as soon as you say something, people are like, okay, is it out now? Right. When do I get it? Is it out now? <laughs> yeah, we yeah, yeah, yeah. do a couple of communities for other games, so yeah, d- oh, I definitely get boy. it. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, like, and weird yeah. went through it with with third edition, you know. So it it, it, it mm-hmm. we're gamers, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Point, point to like twenty yeah, minutes ago I mean, in the episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. So, yes, there will be there will be more. Um, when uh, we'll announce it as soon as we can. Very yeah. Cool. Yeah. Chris and I had a really cool conversation just last week that was very good about outlining, um, you know, the balance between, you know, revealing things and moving forward and letting it sit, letting it sink. You know, because when it sits more, I think there is an element where you, you know, you're like, ah, I don't really like this, but you also see the things you really love, you really appreciate more as well. So we're just keeping that balance in mind, you know, and I've definitely, I mean, I can assure you, as Chris said, you know, we're going to have some really cool, cool things coming out and they're going to come out in different neat, like release forms. Some of the things are going to be like maybe some more like errata style forms. Other things are going to be actual like supplements and books. So we're excited about that. Awesome. So anyways, like, like Chris said, I think he laid it out perfectly. Yes. And, and we'll put it out when it comes out. Cool. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And yep. it's ready. I, I, like, I like those answers. Cool. Yep. Cool. Uh, well, to, to tie some, you know, some people over for something that's out uh, that, that you guys are doing. Um, you guys have made a superhero game. Ah, yeah. So, uh, so it's called supers. And so, Super so what, what what kind of made you guys want to go that route with superheroes? Like, why, why that? Why the divergence from the sci-fi sci-fi world and into the you know more comic booky superhero world? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, as a designer, uh, I moved from World War II to supers, basically because World War II. You know, when you do a squad level World War II, the big challenge is. Um, People are not superheroes. People are not, you know, human beings. You know, if I'm Japanese or if I'm American or if I'm German, um, that's not going to change much of anything. You know, mm-hmm. if you get shot a couple of times, you're in trouble. You're not going to live. You're not going to survive. And there's a very realistic element to NCO, the original game that I've written, that um, really, I think, has um, a lot of gravity to it in a good way, a lot of earnest, um, respect for life because it is about real human beings. Um, but moving that rule set to, to star breach was like this big, I thought like, Oh, it'll be easy. I'll just like make up a bunch of alien races and it'll be great. <laughs> and it very quickly was like, Oh my God, because we're opening up this whole new world. Like you guys said earlier, 
of these like specialist trained, you know, like, like genetically modified or like super evolved, you know, I mean, you're up, you're entering this new world. So from the beginning with Starbreach, I always also felt that it would adapt really well to kind of a superhero setting as well. But again, making the shift to superheroes, um, as you'll see in the supers rule set that's available on my website as well, just for free. It's kind of in the out, the beta stage at this point. What we're seeing is like a new transition where we're not building a war band from factions. You are literally building each superhero individually and then putting them in a team like with a separate with an individualistic motivation, like like kind of you choose the team's motivation, but you choose each player, you deck them out, you build the super that you want to play with. And then there's like all those familiar Starbreach rules kind of applicable and then some new elements as well. So, um, so there was quite an evolution of the game as well. And it has really informed for me as a rules designer, it's really like helps me because now I'm stepping into these different genres, you know, world war two to super to sci-fi to sci-fi to like modern superheroes or whatever. Um, each step of the way is not just a battle of, Hey, how can I make a, you know, money off of a new, a repackaged thing, you know, but it's like, no, how can I make this genre, this specific genre, fun, accessible, enjoyable on the tabletop, strategic and playable at the same time. And so for me, when I got into supers, um, you know, of course there's a big wave right now, uh, just with Disney's acquisition of Marvel, just putting out insane amounts of IP just everywhere. Boom, 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 boom. Um, the problem is, is people's favorite superheroes they grow up with in the comic books and movies and TV shows, they can't play together nice on the tabletop, right? And so, not always, not always right? Not always. And and so, I felt like, again, from the model agnostic kind of punk rock spirit of tabletop gaming that Chris and I both love and enjoy, I just knew we needed a model agnostic superheroes you know uh game you know where people can bring anything they want any type of any type of action you know any i mean sorry any type of uh, like ip or create their own just go crazy and like create their own and you know get fun with it you know have different really wacky superheroes that they've made on their own and we've already seen a really really great response from that as well so, awesome yeah. awesome all right so i've got i've got some follow-up questions sure uh, so, and then just to walk through some of the differences, cause I think, you know, these games do very, very much share a lot of DNA, like having mm-hmm. read through and poured over and, and built, built forces for both games and, and played at least two games of supers and a lot of games of star breach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got the same, the, the dice pull mechanic for initiative, but one thing that it, or for who's going right for activations. Mm-hmm. Now the, the thing I want to specifically highlight on though, is like the differences between the three and the four on your dice. And so the way this works, if you've never played bolt action, just to, to go back to this is mm. you pull a dice out of a bag and the color of the dice dictates the player whose activation it's going to be. And then that player sets the die. It's a D six to one of the sides on that die and puts it next to the model. They want to activate yep. and the die that they set it on dictates what the model's going to do. Yep. And where Star Breach is very focused on uh, the tactics you would imagine in a squad-based game, so going down, mending, mending your soldiers, 
putting, laying down covering fire, firing your weapons, running, etc. Like those are the kinds of actions that you have on your dice. Mm-hmm. But the three and the four specifically and supers, I think, are what really set the game apart from Star Breach. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you could just go into that a little bit, because that's really where a lot of the flavor, I feel like, of your the, the combined powers that you're that you assign to your superhero mm-hmm. really come into their own. Yeah, yeah. So with with supers, you know, one of the things I knew right off the bat was I didn't want to deal with a large squad of models because when you talk about superheroes now you're you're even going beyond just like trained space agents or warriors space warriors you're talking about supers right like they should be able to take a hit and the whole feel of the supers book is supposed to be like playing a comic book so the order dice are called panel dice right you pull a panel die and your super is going to do something that would show up in a panel, right? Like in a, in a, com- in a comic book, you know, he's going to make a run for it or he's going to try to make a melee attack, which is going to involve like either grabbing the guy or trying to swing at the guy or they're going to make a ranged attack um, or they're going to like kind of mend themselves, you know. And so I was imagining as I was building supers, this whole world of what would it look like to play a, a a comic book on the tabletop. And I think a lot of of superhero games get it wrong. They try to make basically just a skirmish game, like just, just another war game, like out of superheroes. And I just think that's really boring that like I go and I see people, people playing and it's cool. It seems like people really enjoy the games they're playing, but it just looks like these really nice painted superhero models sitting next to each other on a really blase, kind of bored and it doesn't look interesting and you know they're just kind of standing there you know squads you've got like all these guys everywhere so it's like if we've only got a few models on the table how do we make this really interesting where where people are flying around people want to keep distance or they want to like get close for a moment and then back off and like instead of just like we just move our models so they're touching and now we're like okay, let's roll some dice until one of these, we, we take one of these models off, you know, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I wanted it to make it dynamic. So coming back to those dice, those panel dice, um, you know, I just felt like these actions needed to make sense for supers. And like in the panel, sometimes you're not just taking one action. They're like trying a combination of actions or sometimes mm-hmm. they're not just, um, they're not just doing one thing, but they're doing, they're trying to accomplish a multiplicity of things in one moment in time. And we can do that in supers. I don't think we could do that in star breach. Cause then the games would just go forever, you know, like all each, each one of these models, like, okay, this guy's going to do this and he's going to do this and he's going to do this, you know, but in supers, when you're really looking at these like cool, like superhero teams, only four or five supers versus another four or five supers, um, you know, you kind of want more flexibility and and back and forth between the players while you're playing and i think that's where again the dice mechanics comes in i roll you roll every time we're playing there's some action there's something happening there's multiple actions to each order so that's where that comes from yeah very cool yeah uh and and finally that being that it is a miniatures agnostic game where are you pulling your minis from? like where where are you drawing your inspiration are you doing like 3d printing are you hero forging are you using hero clicks are you using existing model lines yeah i'm just curious yeah no that's a great question i mean he- superheroes does not have obviously at all the the range that sci-fi models have or that world war world war 2 models have 
Um, you know, it's a very new kind of thing. There's a few different companies that have a big market like Knights models. And, um, some people got in really good when they kind of had like multiple IPs. And so they've got all sorts of models from different, different franchises, you know, under the same kind of scale. Uh, people really like the crisis protocol models. Some of them are using that. Some of them genius people, I, I should have bought into it and I didn't, they're using that like Marvel United kind of that weird card game. Thing. Oh, so smart. But it came yeah, with yeah. a bajillion like Marvel characters, like all at once. They just dumped it. And then they just did like the X-Men too. So there's just like yeah. all these like so people bought into that. Same thing with um when Zombie Side Invader came out. People bought I knew a lot of people who bought that for Star Reach as well, because it was just so many sci-fi models, like like inspired models. So not to, you know, give you guys inspiration to go clean out your bank accounts or anything, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's more and more of those models showing up. For me, when I wrote the um, rule set, I was deep in the jungles of Myanmar, um, and so that's, that's kind of where I live and work usually, and so I didn't have a lot of access to that, so I ended up getting a bunch of Legos kind of shipped from China, and I was just using, like, all these different Legos, because Legos kind of got this magical like grip on all these different superhero IPs as well. So that's so great. Yeah. And there's a lot of independent companies that kind of like similar, like figure brick models, uh, you know, kind of same size, you know, make even more expansive, you know, where there's like Watchmen and there's like image comics guys and there's like all sorts of cool stuff. So anyways, I kind of picked those up just for play testing. You know, obviously I don't like, I'm not going to promote one company over the other or whatever you guys want to do. However people want to play, that's how they play. You know, we're not connected to any particular company. But for me at the time, I didn't have paints. I didn't have a, <laughs> I didn't have like a lot of accessibility to models like where I live overseas. So that, that worked for me and it's, it was super fun. It's been great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why I asked really, right. Cause like it, it can be a hard, it can be hard to, to, maybe know what to buy. Mm. Um, and sometimes people are like looking for specific lines or just looking for inspiration yeah. for what they could play the game with. And I think a lot of times people get stuck into to frameworks. Like if I'm going to play X game, I need X kind of models. Yeah. Um, mm. And like asking that question was really just to, to you know, elicit the, all the, the broad spectrum of ways you can play this game. Yeah. There's no reason you couldn't play it with the chibi models Absolutely. that come with Marvel United. There's no reason you couldn't use Marvel Crisis Protocol from Atomic Mass. Yeah. There's no reason you couldn't use Batman models from Night. Yeah. I mean, I would have, I, until this conversation, I would have never thought to use Lego models. Like, like I would have never thought to use that. Like, because if Legos are Legos, you know, like, yeah, yeah, we got a great crew of Starbreach guys who are playing with like old Mega Bloks stuff. Like when they did Halo, they did oh, Halo, wow. and so they have like a bunch of like or like Lego stuff. So it's really cool how people come out creatively when you just give them a rule set and you say go for it. I mean, we live in a, such a beautiful age. Kevin mentioned earlier, it's the golden age of tabletop really gaming. Is. I mean, you can use whatever. There's so many things out there, so it's a lot of fun. Yeah, um, I really I use uh, toys from Gachapon machines. Uh, every time I go to Tokyo, I dump tons of mm. money into Gachapon machines because yeah. I love those toys. Um, and so I've got yep. boxes and boxes yeah. of them. So that's what I'm using for supers. I'm like, oh, here's you know whatever crazy little figure that will work, and those are my superheroes. Yeah, and he, 
and and here you go. You got you got enough scale on your table. Like there's no reason you couldn't just use like fun right. clothes too, right? Like <laughs> yeah. you're only gonna have a few on each side. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you got the terrain for it and you've got the vision, you can make it awesome. I mean, really, there's there's no limit for the su- for super breaches uh, for supers, especially. There's just no there's no limit. I mean, it, it, I'm really excited to see what people come up with. The thing is, too, is I think when we think about supers, we think about a very western comics element and chris brought up a great point there are really rich deeply rooted cultural supers um you know like just super culture from japan yeah you know from china from from india i mean every country has their superheroes has their like you know thailand's got like a like the beetle guy you know beetle man or whatever you know i mean they've all got these like you know different superheroes that they grew up with that they loved and how fun is that that you can put like the Dragon Ball Z team down in front of like, you know, the Justice League or whatever, you know. So we're, we're excited. We're really excited to see what people come up with. It's going to be rad. Yeah. And and I don't know why I didn't think of this. Like my daughter right now is really into My Hero Academia. Oh, and I'm like, yeah. oh, how, how can how can I make like super characters mm-hmm. that match up with like Midoriya and Bakugo and stuff like that? That would be really you, fun. You read, you read, you read my mind. I'll, I'll go – because when you said Funko Pops, I was like – Man, I could go grab my All Might and just throw him down on the table. <laughs> yeah, and you and you can really mm-hmm. make All Might with the supers rules Absolutely. too. Actually, and Funko, and I really think fun. Funko Pops doing those like little keychains now they too. So yep, they're yeah. already like that twenty eight, thirty two millimeter kind of style, like size. They're chibi, you know, but they're you know that's kind of fun too. If you're if you're like Chris or I, you've because if you haven't bought any Marvel Crisis Protocol models, you don't know that they they always come with a whole Tons frame of, of bases. extra bases. So, oh, yeah, really? yeah, so okay, like, awesome. Like, like two models, like, and yeah, you get four bases for those two models. Four, yeah. wild. And, okay, and then once you because it, it's like that's how they come out right. of the mold, right? They come in a in a pack of four, mm. and so they just send you the whole mold every time you buy a figure, and so and even if you buy a single figure, uh-huh. it comes with a whole frame. And so now I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I need to start gluing some Funkos and pen- repainting them <laughs> yeah. on, uh, onto some Marvel Crisis protocol, protocol bases because I have a ton of them. That's yep. so fun. Yeah, super fun. Yeah. So the goal with Supers, just like with Starbreach, is, you know, you can bring your favorite IPs into the game or you can just get totally creative and do whatever you want. And that's the goal, right? It's like total accessibility for all players all around the world. So we're really excited to see what people yeah, that's do. Yeah, awesome. I mean, I know, oh, I know one of the things yeah, that always upset me, like I used to play City of Heroes from a, in a you know, video game standpoint, and one of the things that always sucks mm. is like, I want to make Wolverine. He's my dude. I love Wolverine. And every time I make yeah. Wolverine, I get slapped with a copyright ban on me because, you know, they don't own that IP. And that's the great thing about what you guys are doing is, mm. you know, you're, you're leveraging these other companies that already have that IP and you're making a rule set for people just to have fun and like – Let's make Superman yeah. go up against, you know, Captain America for whatever reason, just because I want to see Captain America exactly. get pummeled, um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. I, I mean, it really is. That's that's the hope, you know. I mean, and, you know, when people – it comes up rarely, but every once in a while people will be like, well, you know, are you concerned about – you know, like what this is doing for the industry or blah, blah, blah. You know, like you're making these like model agnostic vanilla rules and, you know, but you're not doing your own models. Like, why would you do that? And, you know, for me, it's like, dude, we're all we're doing is just double dipping. Every, it's just making adding value, market value to literally every model creator 
from from the lowest of the low, like just like local guy, like just CAD designing all the way to like the big boys. Like all we're doing is doubling the value of any tabletop model that gets put out. You can you can apply it. You can use it twice, not just in this game, but in this game, you know? Yeah, can can confirm because I'm I'm (laughs) designing a game right now that uses that right now for all my testing. I'm using my copy of Blood Rage. Yeah, like there you go. The Viking models that are in there are perfect for what I'm doing. So like, yeah, every company that makes models should thank agnostic Mm -hmm. designers. Because you're just giving you're just giving the toys more yep. life for sure. Absolutely, and I think that's beautiful. I don't think there's anything to be ashamed about that. I think that's really cool. Not at all. And, and you yeah, know, I think that's the coolest thing. We're not breaking IPs. I mean, we're not we're not using names. We're not using any sort of. Nope. Yeah. I mean, we're 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 kosher, but it just it's a it's a really cool thing. I think that's uh, making games that much more accessible. Yeah, and for Chris, because you may not have read the rules, right? The way that it works is there's like a whole suite of right. powers in the back of the book and you have an allocation of how you can build your, like there's limits of how you build each hero and there's tiers of how powerful those heroes can be. And so then you're basically making a custom hero with some blend of those powers. Mm -hmm. Um, But like there's, but you can right? like you give someone a healing factor and maybe some metal weaponry and you know, you're getting close to Wolverine. Oh, oh, you can make Wolverine. Yeah. He's there. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's he is he is buildable, hundred percent. You can't have a minions yeah, agnostic yeah. superhero game without Wolverine. I think you'd have a riot on your hands. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Right. Because you, you've got rage regeneration. Like, there's like tons of different things you can do. Right. So, I, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'm just like I'm just trying to defend that whole like we're not we're not infringing on anything. You can just you you can make pseudo Wolverine. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's you can make right. poor man's Wolverine. All right, and, and you you said something that was really important there, Elijah, when you were talking about like not uh, making your own models and stuff. And and one of the things that I really like um, about the Starbreach book in particular, mm-hmm. so if we're looking at the the book, is that the art and the miniature photography. And the reason that I like the illustrations and the art that's in Starbreach is that it's like very evocative of a sci-fi setting, but still allows you to imagine and put yourself in and put your own style down. And what I'm wondering is if you're going to be working like in this similar mentality when you eventually publish supers, like similar artists, similar miniature photography. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what's really cool is we've got models on the way that are um, they're IP free. Oh, sorry. Hold on. My my daughter's like freaking out behind the door over here. I totally get it. Yes, baby. Hi. What's up? I'm doing an interview. Yeah. Chatting about my game. You want to come say hi? There's my, there's my two-year-old. She's adorable. Aww. Hello. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I just put my three-year-old to bed, so I know exactly what that's like. Hey. Yeah. You're chatting. What are you doing? Oh, yeah. Daddy's got his, his earphones on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, peoples, the chat. Okay, I'm doing an interview. Okay. All right, and so Elijah, you said something really important when you're talking about the the fact that you're not printing models and you're not forcing people into a box. And and a way that that relates to Starbreach to me is in the miniature photography and the illustrations in Starbreach are 
amazing. They're like evocative and they let the player who's playing the game put themselves in, um, but still draw like deep inspiration from both the illustrations and the miniature photography. And I was wondering if mm. you were going to be following a similar method when you go to publish supers. Yes, absolutely. Um, we've already got really great artists on the job. We've got some artists that were with us um, during Star Breach who are going to also be joining us for supers. We've also got a couple of new artists that we're really excited about. Um, particularly we've got, a, um, some models that are coming in from, I believe it's, Oh, I don't want to be wrong. I th it's, I think it might be Czech Republic, um, or maybe Denmark. I'm not sure, but there's a guy named Agus and he's like this legendary painter who's been, been in the world for years, but he does a lot of like custom designs and he's worked with some really cool, uh, franchise lists, um, different superhero models from like uh, cobblestone castings and like, um, Oh goodness. Like a couple of those, like uh, that are coming from like Brigade games and uh, like North star figures, like stuff like that, that, that they're carrying. And he's really painted them really neat. And we're getting that package arriving soon. And so we're going to be using them kind of as our promo models are kind of a, uh, and he's really excited to get his name in the book and just the work that he's done. is just beautiful, really beautiful models. So from the actual illustration to the physical models, we're hoping for the same idea for those printed, um, those really nice super breach books when we get those done. Yeah. We're excited about that. Very Amazing. Cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um so with you know speaking about that like talking about the books and getting it out like so once you said supers is in beta right now so once you guys are you know ready to release and ready to go live with the game you know how are you planning uh, on releasing we're that gonna do to a kickstarter public? for it um, yeah. kickstarter is the the best mm -hmm. creator method okay. that exists so that's what we're gonna do that gives us an idea of how many to, to print uh and our turnaround time on our Kickstarters is really, really fast. Uh, so, you know, you won't have to wait too long to get it. So the question that I have, Chris, the follow up for you, because uh, you, you know me now well enough to know that I like dice. I knew this question. Was <laughs> so, are there going to be some new, special, cool, colored, uh, superhero inspired order dice coming or panel dice coming? Yeah. Well, the... <laughs> Right. Yes, yeah, the, the plan the plan with the the order and panel dice <laughs> is to keep releasing new colors. Um, I don't know how often we're going to do it. Um, the the mm -hmm. last two colors we did were um, like this bright neon pink and bright neon green. Um, yeah, and people seem to really like those. Um, those were awesome. But the idea is we're just going to do you know like every six months, three months, however many months you know we feel we need to do, and just do two new colors. Um, so that way we're always, there's always going to be new colors available. The older awesome. colors as they sell out will be cycled out. Um, and then new colors will be added in. As a, as a person who owns every color that's been made so far, I'm <laughs> very excited to Glad hear to that. that there will be more colors coming. Yeah. He might have a problem. <laughs> Dude, I'm the same. I'm absolutely a dice goblin. So I was, yeah. I think that was a big part of my games was it needed to have not just rolling dice, but like cool table order dice, you know, instead of these yeah. like little chits or little panels, like using the dice as markers. I just thought that was ingenious. So I'm oh, really yeah. excited to keep, like, like Chris said, almost to kind of create a really neat long-term collectible element to the dice that... Yeah. We're not we're not going to reprint, you know, when when things are gone, they're gone. And we're going to see people, I think, really enjoy their collections over the over the years. 
of dice. And this is a this is another thing. And it sounds really stupid to somebody who doesn't know, but like for someone who plays a lot of tabletop games, like the order dice just have the most satisfying mm-hmm. clink. Like when you're like reaching around <laughs> in the order bag for them. So. I, I, I don't want to discourage people from, from buying order dice. You should absolutely buy order dice. Um, but if you if you don't, you can use any any D sixes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, any D six. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. I'm just okay. trying, I'm trying to sell I, people on the merits. As someone who, who grew up in the in the punk and hardcore world and was you know I've been <laughs> part of that world since the early '80s. Uh, being being DIY and doing things yourself is ingrained in my life. Um, I. I can't ever get rid of that. So I, I want to, you know, everything I do, it's, it's, you're not, you're not required to buy anything. You can play Starbridge for free. You can download the rules for free. You can use any D sixes. Um, if you want to help yeah. support us, please do. We, we appreciate everyone who does. Um, but at, w- yeah. I want people to be able to play games. So if you just use, you know, checkers or, or chess pieces yeah. and download the rules for free and never buy anything like you're you're still awesome to yeah. me as long as you're playing the game. Yeah. And if you yeah. make your own dice, awesome. I mean, buy some blank dice and draw on them. That's that's great. I mean, I did as a as a kid, I did that. You know, like yeah. I couldn't afford to buy band t-shirts, yeah. so I would just buy a white t-shirt, which was you know two dollars or whatever, and then I would just draw the band logo myself. And so, so I'm hoping that there's kids. I hope that there's you know, <laughs> some down. some 13 year old out there who's it's like, amazing. man, I love this game, but. I only get like $3 a week in allowance. So I'm just going to buy blank dice, draw my own, download the rules and, you know, play from my iPad or iPhone or whatever as a place to read. And that's perfect. And my first, my first dozen games of star breach and all of my initial demos were played with like just plain old D sixes. So can confirm that it can be done. Yeah, absolutely. I think the reality is too is in a, in many ways we're future proofing. I mean, punk rock. I mean, is a huge part of my life as well. And Chris and I, we we have this really neat relationship, largely because we were in the music scene for a long time before doing tabletop games. And I love our relationship because it is like a punk rock DIY label. You know, the the business. Um, we love seeing people have a good time more than hitting the hitting a specific profit you know and hitting the profit is rad but at the same time you know if we're future proofing what we're doing basically because in the future we are going to see ips franchises large companies struggle to keep patents to keep copyright um you know and in my personal opinion that's not a bad thing you know i i think um patents are what makes rich people rich and keeps poor people poor. I think in a lot of ways, like copyright and IP is just a little bit over the top. I get protecting your name. So there's, there's that element when it comes to trademarking and copywriting, but at the same time with like patents and stuff or like IPs where you're like protecting and you keep protecting, you keep protecting, but people are falling in love with what you do. Like you're kind of slapping your, your audience in the face. And I think what we're doing with our rule set is really, I think opening that up and by keeping it free, we're letting people very much so joyously buy in, not buy in because it's like, Oh, I have to, but buying in because I like, I want to, and I believe in this, you know? So that's pretty, that's pretty cool. There's a big heart difference between those things, you know? Oh yeah. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. That's rad. Yeah. All right. Now, given that you may have just really sold this to a few people, where should people go to get the games and what is available to them at those websites? 
Uh, you can go to slowdeathgames.com. There is a link to the web store there. Uh, direct link to the web store is slowdeathgames.bigcartel.com. Uh, we have a big upgrade coming to the web store soon, uh, but it's not going to change anything for anybody for how they get there. Uh, you can get the Starbreach uh, printed rulebook there, so you can get an actual physical copy. Uh, you can get the uh, deluxe PDF, which is the same thing as the free PDF, but it adds uh, scenarios, artwork, and a bunch of extra stuff. Uh, you can get the order dice there. Uh, and you can also get uh, miniatures for our other game, Wild in the Streets, there. Yeah, and of course, I've got my starbreach.com. So starbreach.com is my personal website that's got all of all three of the rule sets that I've written. They're available for free. And they, of course, link over to Slow Death Games when there's things available for purchase. Um, so if people are, are, you know, like, hey, let me just check this out first, they can always check out starbreach.com. And at starbreach.com, they'll be able to check out the, uh, you know, just kind of the rules and, and fall in love with it. And then when they're ready to like really buy in and commit and see the cool artwork and all the cool stuff we've prepared for them in the, in the deluxe books, then they can head on over to, yeah, Slow Death Games. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen, yeah. uh, for both being on. Yes, thank um, you, guys. Honestly, super exciting to have you guys here. Uh, and what I want to leave you with is an opportunity to plug anything you want to plug. If it's a friend's podcast, your podcast, a game, anything in particular that you think people should uh, pay more attention to, plug away. Oh, why don't so, you go first, Elijah? So much power. Uh, <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, in I'll be honest, you know, please – Keep in mind and be educating yourselves on uh, the situation in Myanmar, where I come from, um, where I work, where I love. Um, we have lots of students and businesses there that, that I'm a part of. And um, just be thinking and learning, educating yourself about that situation there. I can't speak to in detail, but please just Google it. Um, beautiful country in a lot of trouble right now. So check them out. Um, also, uh, yeah, we just we've got lots of stuff coming, like Chris said. You know, we had to be a little secretive. We're not we're not telling you when it's coming out, but we've, we do have things coming. We're working every day on really cool stuff for for all the games that I do. So we're really excited about that. And if I can plug something, and I'm going to feel like a jerk because I'm just going to plug uh, material things and where Elijah was, you know, he had something actually important to the world. Plug materially. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> Everyone already knows Starbreach is listening to this. Um, so, you know, grab the, grab the PDF. The PDF has all the rules. The free PDF has all the rules, everything you need to play. Um, and then when you want to uh, support us, go over to slowdeathgames.com, grab a copy of the book uh, and the dice. Uh, we have another game called Wild in the Streets uh, with a bunch of miniatures available. You can go check that out. Uh, the rules for Wild in the Streets fit on a postcard. Uh, it's a super fast and furious gang fight game. Uh, and then if I can plug some other people's things, uh, if you like yes. RPGs, please check out Full Metal RPG. It's a great podcast. Uh, Brendan, who uh, is part of Slow Death Games and does a lot, a lot for us, uh, it's it's his podcast, um, and I, I highly recommend it. It's it's a great RPG podcast. Um, but just, but if you have younger uh, listeners, uh, just be aware that it is. Uh, it is R-rated uh, for language and content, so, uh, so be ready. For, yeah, so be ready for that. Um, yeah, that's a. Uh, that, I think that's all I really have to plug. 
All right, cool. Chris, you want to read us out? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, really appreciate you guys being on the show. Thank you for your time. You guys are awesome. Uh, thank you to our patrons. Uh, you guys are best. Uh, you know, we're, That's why we're here for you guys as well as everyone else. Um, so thank you to uh, Static as a City for the intro and outro music. Uh, come join us on our Discord. We've got conversations happening every single day. Um, and as many as Discord as I'm in, I will say I will tote it. We are the best Discord out there. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, just find us on the Instagrams and the, and the Facebook and the tweeters. Thank you again for having us. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Yeah, for sure. Bye. All right. Cool.